And Peter's not understanding what they're voting for. Lords are against it, Commons are against this, against it, Scottish Parliament are against it, the Welsh Assembly are against it. And they're all idiots. They're all idiots. You can't call them idiots for having disagreements. The strong and stable for the many, not the few. The Hello and welcome to Breakfast Memes Breakfast with myself Salman Anwar and myself George Aylett. Follow me on Twitter at George Aylett and at underscore Salman Anwar and our podcast Breakfast Memes Breakfast podcast which is at BMB pod not BNP pod BMB who are the BNP pod. they don't exist anymore melts. yeah melts <laughs> okay great way to start the podcast so we had a nice Christmas break hope you all did too um Hope you enjoyed the holiday season. Um, I sure did. What did you get up to, George? Uh, I certainly did. My favourite meal of the year is obviously Christmas dinner. You can't go wrong with Christmas dinner. And, and Easter, we're going to do it again because why not? I like a bit of turkey. Unlike, that is the weirdest Unlike leave.eu and folk leave. <laughs> that was a bad link, but it worked. Horrible. <laughs> it works. Um, yeah, so I um, hope you've been enjoying the podcast. We've had some great reviews recently. Um, do you want to read out one of the reviews? Oh. <laughs> um, we've had fantastic review. It is a good podcast. Five star. <laughs> and I think the, the name... They did it on Boxing Day. The, um, the, 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 name, the name can be found online. The name, um, I'll say the name. I think it's... Let me check. Uh, Queer Top. So thank you, Queer Top, for listening on Boxing Day to our podcast. <laughs> we also had a listener from Jamaica, Mr. <laughs> John Newham, uh, let us know that he was listening from Jamaica. So breakfast oh, means breakfast. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Good, good global. Go, yeah. go, go. <laughs> <laughs> International. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot has happened since our, our last podcast. Um, Brexit. That's a thing. That's a thing. Still a thing. Um, it kind of exploded um, multiple times. Um, we we had the the, the vote um, on the withdrawal agreement defeated um, by two hundred and thirty votes. You heard it here first. I think I believe the first episode or the second episode. I said over two hundred. Wow! Boom! Got it right. Spot on. Two hundred thirty. I mean, that's huge. It's the biggest huge. in British political history. Bigger than yeah. Ramsay McDonald's loss. <laughs> yeah, two hundred eight. Worse big. than Ramsay McDonald's. Um, but I I think one thing that's um, strange thing so many different coalitions all coming together and against the deal the only people really voting for it were the government people paid by the government um, second referendum MPs were voting against it um, Norway deal MPs were voting against it uh, Lee uh, hard no deal uh, MPs were voting against it general no deal MP like literally everyone was voting against it. I mean, Theresa May went to Brussels today and nothing has changed. Those famous words said from her and the... I'm going to insert that into the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to edit that in. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Well, the thing is, there's no parliamentary majority for May's deal. There's no parliamentary majority for Article 50 extension, as we saw Cooper amendments being defeated. There's no parliamentary majority for a second referendum, because even if Labour swung behind it, up to 50 Labour MPs would vote against and the Tories aren't budging on calling an election. So, Salmon, what do we do from here? Well, 
not have an election, that's for sure. Oh, <laughs> I know you were leading up to it. Go on. Because, I mean, one, we saw there wasn't a majority for a, a general election, i.e. no confidence vote, um, recently. So, I mean, you said that the Cooper Amendment was defeated. Sure, there wasn't a majority for it, but there could be a majority after, the say, the 14th of uh, February. So, so I'm just saying, because the majority didn't exist in the past, doesn't mean it won't exist in the future. Same with the confidence vote. Yeah, same with the confidence vote. But, but you can't say there isn't a majority for X, Y and Z in the past, so there's definitely a majority for a general election. Well, the problem is, um, the, the vote of no confidence... I literally think nothing is clear right I, now. I do think the meaningful vote is going to be defeated on the 14th of February. What a Valentine's gift that is to the country. But, um, you know, I think there should be a motion that confidence called again after that and wait and see what happens. But I've got a feeling that we will probably end up with no deal because of the Conservatives. I think it, like Labour today, Labour yesterday, sorry, Jeremy Corbyn laid out five demands to, in order to back a Brexit deal, which is a customs union, close alignment with the single market, alignment on rights and protections, participation in EU agencies and funding programmes, and agreements on future security arrangements. Now, all of these are achievable. All of these can be negotiated, but the thing is, Theresa May is not going to back down. And I think that resilience to sort of work with Jeremy Corbyn is going to end up with a no deal. There's a couple of things there that I think um, I, I just find mind-numbingly uh, frustrating. But first on Jeremy Corbyn and um, his five demands. I, I think uh, Theresa May, uh, touch wood, I'm touching the table. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Can confirm. I... <laughs> I I hope that she does get a time-limited backstop. Um, and then I, I actually think that she should accept Corbyn's demands. Uh, because um, because Corbyn has changed his tune. And um, I think you change your tune as well. And other uh, people that back Corbyn are changing their tune too. Because <clears throat> Corbyn's now not arguing that we should change the withdrawal agreement. He's arguing we should change the political declaration. And this is something that... Some people think, oh, this is a good move towards um, trying to uh, find a Brexit deal. But I think one thing it speaks to that Corbyn's total misunderstanding of Brexit. Withdrawal agreement was never the place for a customs union. Withdrawal agreement was never a place for close line with the single market. Never the place for any of that. Always a political declaration. Um, but Corbyn's been insisting he'll vote against a withdrawal agreement because it doesn't include X, Y and Z. Um, which is just bonkers because it's just not compatible um so i think may should accept what uh, corbyn is proposing for the political declaration because it's not legally binding and um i think leavers should be fine should should theoretically be fine with that because if we do have a time-limited backstop we have a we're not stuck at the backstop with this political declaration we can if made's replaced when made's replaced mm-hmm. um after um, leaving the EU and say we had that deal with Corbyn's um, proposals and time-limited backstop. Hard Brexiteers, if they wanted, could just get rid of me and have um, uh, someone that just deletes all those from the political declaration because it's not legally binding. Well, So um, I think they should just accept it and just um, be, be fine with it not being um, legal. Well, May can't be challenged till December 2019 True. because of it year limit um, after the motion of confidence against her failed when 100 Tory MP, 117 Tory MPs voted against her. But Jeremy Corbyn's demands, they make sense. They'd be, they would ensure a deal for the country. We wouldn't leave with a no deal. So it's all on Theresa May now. If she wants to rule off no deal off the table, 
then she, she should back Jeremy Corbyn's uh, demands. But, but similarly, um, I'd argue that if Corbyn was serious about these demands and the political declaration, why not vote for the withdrawal agreement anyway? And because the political declaration is still to be negotiated. So he can hold the government, I don't want to say hostage, but I mean he can hold government to account um, in the next stage of uh, Brexit while voting for the withdrawal agreement now. Um, no. Because, no, because the political declaration isn't being negotiated now. It's been negotiated in the next couple of years. So what difference does it make? Because we need to allow a negotiating position right now. We don't, though. That's not how... That's not the timeline for the EU negotiations. I don't understand what difference it makes. But you're saying the Labour Party should back the Conservative Party's approach to Brexit. No, they should but back... That's what it, no, but, it, but it's what not. Is. No, no, because they can back the withdrawal agreement, which is not changing, even if even if Corbyn wants these changes to, to the political declaration, it's not changing. So I don't know what difference it makes. Because um, these... What Corbyn's proposing is something for the next stage of uh, deal with the EU. So... We could we could have Labour vote for the withdrawal agreement right now, and then say to the Conservatives, "We want a customs union and a close alignment to the single market," and because that's why it's been done. The no, conservatives, no. conservatives can't May, Theresa May can't promise any of Corbyn's proposals because it's not legally binding. Well, it gives the bargaining power to the Conservatives if they manage to pass the withdrawal agreement. That gives he basically gives them a free hand to do whatever they want. No, it doesn't. I well, mean, Labour can vote down. It uh, essentially does. Labour can vote down any proposal the Conservatives bring in the future. No, we should vote by voting against the withdrawal agreement from the very start. We're not happy with the negotiating position, so we have every right to vote against it. No, but, but, the, but now we are in a position where we can actually lay out a plan for Britain and actually get a deal. If Theresa May does not want to accept it, then that is going to be but very bad because Parliament Britain, will not agree to anything. That, there's going to be a no deal, and I think... Uh, if, if she does not accept this, there's going to be a no deal, and then, hopefully, a vote of no confidence against the government, because they should not have had no deal on the table in the first place. You, and it would pass. One, you can't take no deal off the table unless you uh, take Brexit off the table. You, you can't. But of course you can. You, you can't. Of course you can. You have to revoke Article 50 to take no deal off the or table. Or extend Article 50. Extending Article 50 doesn't take no deal off the table. It pushes no deal further down the line. Um... So d- you don't have to take it, but you don't have to take that option. There are other alternatives available. The, the, what alternative, other than uh, revoking Article Fifty, truly takes no deal off the table? Backing the amendments to the government's plan, which would actually have a majority in Parliament. We know it would have a majority what, in Parliament. Uh, now. Uh, sorry, Labour's proposals. Are you talking? Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, proposals. I've already said I agree that May should do that because it's not legally binding. Well, then no deal would be out of the table. It would be ruled out. It'd be gone. But I mean, you could. I mean, you could argue that um, if Labour had backed May's deal to begin with, no deal would have been taken off the table. If if everyone backed um, anything, no deal taken off the table. I'm just saying the only way the only way to take no deal off the table is to have a deal. Or cancel Brexit. There is well, no other way to take. No well, the question the is, would Theresa so, May think that Corbyn's amendments would be a bad deal? And if she does, then she's kept on saying no deal would be better than a bad deal. So she needs to be on the record to say, would no deal be better than that? Well, it again, it depends. I I, I think the whole language around <coughs> Brexit has been really confusing for people because what is a bad deal? What is what is that deal? Is that deal the withdrawal agreement? Or is it the future relationship? Because uh, so many people forget the withdrawal agreement is just negotiating our exit. It's not negotiating anything in the future. Uh, it's why some people say the backstop may be um, illegal, because it, it, it determines our future relationship. So I, I just think that 
anyone who wants ex uh, I mean you had Nick Balls talking about a Norway style deal or was it Norway plus or you had like Robert Halfen saying come market 2.0 those aren't for now you can't those aren't the discussions for now the discussions for now are the withdrawal agreement the withdrawal agreement cannot contain a commerce market 2.0 it can't contain Norway plus it can't contain uh, Corbyn's proposal and, and finally Corbyn has realised that's for the political declaration not for the withdrawal agreement so any any MP that wants X, Y, and Z um, relationship in the future um, should, I think, vote for um, the withdrawal agreement. Uh, the, on, the only people I think that do have some sense of voting for the, uh, vote against the withdrawal agreement are people that support n- a no-deal Brexit. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I support that, I'm just saying... Do you think we'll end um, up with one? Do you think we'll end up with a no-deal Brexit? I, I, I don't. Why? Still. I, I, like I said, I, I hope, touch wood, that you do have some sort of... Um, I think code is still... I don't even know... I didn't know that word existed before a couple of weeks ago about uh, time... Defining what temporary means on the backstop. Is it time limited? Um, and if that... If they do offer that up, I hope the withdrawal agreement is... And if, if they don't, do you think we're heading for no deal? I don't know what we're heading for. Um, what do we you talked think? To, we, no, no, I, I seriously don't know because we... There was a lot of um, talk around the um, Cooper amendment that, ooh, we expected to pass, and then it didn't pass. I mean, Cooper could bring back her amendment again and we could have an extension on Article 50. I mean, it doesn't stop no deal like I've already mentioned, but... It does delay Brexit, um, so I'm not sure what happens. Before extension of Article 50, uh, the European Union has said there needs to be something in place for it to happen, so a general election or a second referendum. If you accept there's going to be Article 50 extension, one, do you think Theresa May is going to stand down because she says she wants yeah. to deliver Brexit yeah, on March definitely. 29th? And secondly, do you think the EU would extend it for no other reason than to have a general election for a second referendum. Hopefully it's the, the former rather than the, uh, the latter. The, the only way I think they could, uh, would extend it would be um, the uh, to pass legislation uh, like a month or something. But I don't... I, I, I can't see um, them extending it for any other reason other than a second referendum or general election. Um, so Article but, 50, extension in the general election or, or second, a no deal. Or, or a second you, referendum. What do you prefer? Um, Article 50, extension alongside a general election or no deal. Or a second referendum. Because there's no parliamentary majority for it. There's no parliamentary majority for uh, a general election right now. Well, so then I, that's I, it. We're for but, no deal. No, but I'm just saying, that, you can't, you can't say, you've ruling, taking this off the table because there's no parliamentary majority, but there's no parliamentary majority for your, <laughs> what you want either. All right, then, 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 I, I'd, then there's I'd, no I'd, deal, isn't there? I'd, well, yeah, the, the, they just need a parliamentary majority for no deal, so that's so, the only... So, therefore, I think the Conservatives not budging on a general election... And not complying to Labour's recommendations means we're heading for no deal, and it's going to well, put well, the Conservatives to who well, are responsible. Like I said, I think they already should. They they should agree with Corbyn's proposals right now because they they're not legally binding, and hopefully, I mean, Sajid as a PM could just rip them up. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think they will accept? Do you think they will accept Corbyn still? No, no matter um, what you think. No, I don't. Um, That's it. No deal. Then it's no deal. But 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 it depends. If she manages to get the uh, backstop to be time limited, we could still have a deal. Uh, but that, I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic, actually. 
Um, we had negotiations today in Brussels, nothing has changed. Nothing at all. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to go down the whole Brexiteer, ooh, 11, well, no, 10.59, they'll, we'll have a deal on March 29th. But I do think that the, the legal definition of temporary does need to be defined properly, and I think time-limited um, would, would define that. So, if there is an no-deal Brexit, do you think the Conservatives should be punished at the ballot box? for it. Um, but I don't want my party to be punished for anything. <laughs> no, I'd, I don't. I think MPs as a collective should be punished. Um, Why? Because Labour are in a position where we can take no deal off the table. We've literally offered a position which can end no deal. But I don't want to go around in circles because that makes for a boring podcast. Every MP who wanted XYZ proposal for a future relationship with the EU should vote for Theresa May's deal. No. Apart from those that think that the backstop is the worst thing ever, Corbyn admittedly did say that he didn't like the backstop either, but clearly doesn't think it's stopping him from having um, a deal in the future, wanting a deal in the future. Well, we, we can get a deal I think now. every MP who, who wants a, uh, to talk, talk about a deal in the future should vote for the withdrawal agreement because mm. it's a withdrawal agreement. It's not a deal for the future. And you're just mixing uh, apples and oranges. Just, they're, not, they're not the same thing. And, um, but Labour can't be blamed for a no deal, nor should no, they No, and I didn't say Labour, and I didn't say Conservative. I said every single MP that backs, um, that wants to take no deal off the table, that didn't want a second referendum. Fair enough to the people that want a second referendum. They have their vision, silly vision, things that are undemocratic. People that want no deal don't want a withdrawal agreement. They want a hardest Brexit as possible. So those two have positions that you can kind of justify with what they're doing. People who want um, want a deal um, and are trying to define the future relationship should vote for the withdrawal agreement. And that's been my stance from the start. Every Conservative MP, every every um, Labour MP, every other MP, uh, Lib Dems, I, I don't know, any, any MP who doesn't want a second referendum, Stephen Lloyd, he voted for the withdrawal agreement, didn't well, he? Well, 8% of the Lib MPs back, well, people who elected him, backs the government. But it's not, I, I just don't think that in this time of facing no deal, it should be about backing the government, backing the Conservative, backing Theresa May, backing, backing, but yeah, but it is. It is, because it's politics, but if we think if MPs think no deal, it would be a catastrophe. Vote for the fucking deal. It's just... No. It's mind-numbing. No, it's that's, not, that's not how it works. It's not how it it's works. It's not, and it's a shame. It's, and it's a damn shame because they want a confusing... 500 different things. They're not voting... MPs that say they want to vote, uh, want to vote for a future relationship aren't voting on that, and they should know that. And it's a, a poor indictment on our MPs that they don't know what they're voting for. Sorry, I just... I, I've had it with MPs that want to take no deal off the table and are voting against this deal. No, because it's a bad deal and I understand why people are voting against We've ranted on about this. We've gone in circles. Brexit is shit. Brexit it's is... Just, it's just a mess. And I've, I've never been as angry as I have with the political class just not getting their act together on what they're voting for. Um, but I, you've got to understand... Border Brexit, pass the deal. Just pass the deal. Back the five demands. Back Corbyn's five demands. Easy. We need it sorted, lads. Just sort it out. Basically, there's a lot of options on the table, not just in Brexit, but also in America for the Democrats. That was a terrible segue. Hey, hey it did the job. It, it did the job. So, the Democrats, we have people announcing the candidacy for president uh, very hey. recently. So, 
you know USA US <laughs> so so it seems to be uh, you know a lot of things happening in Britain but also across the pond in America as well are you Salmon backing any of the candidates over any of the others I am keeping my metaphorical powder dry <laughs> I I well, one my um, people know me that I am social liberal Economically liberal. There isn't, there isn't for me right now a um, a democratic candidate that e- even kind of moderate. I think a lot of them, and um, after twenty sixteen, a lot of them do want to play towards um, towards left in the party. Um, Good. And it's kind of like this is a really weird analogy, but it's kind of like after after the after Cameron stood down and. Every conservative candidate, no matter what their views were, were I'm a one nation conservative. <laughs> like Liam Fox, <laughs> I'm a one nation conservative. No, you're not. I mean, none of them even knew what one nation conservative meant. No, it seems like all um, these democratic candidates are uh, yeah. all pro the Green New Deal, all pro universal health care, which is quite interesting. So let's go through these candidates. Some of them that have announced one by one. Uh, Kamala Harris. A centrist who is very dodgy on trans rights. I, I, I will call her a centrist. Progressive, I'd call her. Nah, dodgy on trans rights. That's not progressive. Nothing mm-hmm. progressive about that. So, I won't, I won't call her a centrist. I'd call... I wouldn't even... Mm, Biden is more centrist than, than others, I think. Um, and he hasn't announced yet. Um, but I won't call her a centrist. I'd call her progressive. So, I think... Or, or liberal. Yeah, liberal. There, there's so many different there's terms. There's nothing liberal about being against trans rights. Well, I mean, I w- would say one thing, and this applies to gay rights as well, and gay marriage. Well, um, trans issues have definitely, like, come to the fore in recent years. She, she, I think this happened when was, did this happen? Was it 19 years ago when uh, she posed the bill about... But I, I don't think it's anything to posing bills. Was it, it was 19 years? Hold on. It, it was uh, to do with... Uh, I think two prisoners. Uh, it was yes. Not allowing them to yeah. go on um, gender reassignment, and I think she should address it. She hasn't addressed it. Um, she does talk about um, the need to cl- uh, to stamp out transphobia in the US, but she should address it head on. And I think to be to be fair, I think when the debates come around, she'll definitely get asked this question. But we've we've definitely seen uh, uh, people move on trans rights, on gay rights. I mean. Our own prime minister was uh, anti gay uh, gay marriage, and then uh, ch- uh, championed it in the House of Commons. So. Well, well, Kamala Harris, she fought to keep trans women in male prisons. Yeah, so um, I think there was two cases of trans prisoners. And uh, um, yeah, it was about um, barring transgender inmates from having necessary medical yeah, care. So, so I, very bad. Uh, definitely not back in them. Um, what about those Warren? I'm very anti. <laughs> Why aren't you Liz Warren? Um, she's traditional left. Um, part of the traditional left of the. She refused to endorse I don't blame female candidates for wanting a female president. She she was clear. She signed a letter very early on saying we want Hillary to run because we need a female president. I don't. I don't. I don't want to uh, lecture uh, women on how they they do their politics. Um, but she has always been on the traditional left. She's always been close to Bernie. Bernie's always considered they're all they're close friends. Um, she's championed many of the stuff that Bernie's championing. Uh, she's championing currently a, a wealth tax, um, a universal health care. Uh, I think one thing I probably class her as the Bernie 
And this isn't to this isn't to um, try and slander Bernie, but I think I'd class as the Bernie of the Democrats, like inside the party. Um, yeah. So I, but I'm not a Bernie backer. I'm not. So I'm not a, a Warren backer either. And well, the thing about Bernie, the thing about Bernie Sanders is that um, you know he's he's far from a perfect candidate, but at least he would take the right steps, and I think his heart's in the right place as well. I think. He's right on taxation of the richest in society. He's right on, uh, you know, he's right on free education. He's right on investment. He's right on the Green New Deal. He's right on so many of these policies. And, you know, he wouldn't turn America into a socialist country. Far from it. But he would take it in the right steps. And hopefully, fingers crossed, after a Bernie presidency, Alexander, <laughs> Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, well, AOC, she, they're, they're, she is going to be fantastic. I, and it's a shame she's too young. Can I just say, there's like, there's like 10 other candidates that we haven't talked about, and you've talked about someone that's ineligible. AOC is fantastic. And honestly, uh, I think about the constitutional age limits, but she's... I, I find the constitutional age limits really odd. It but, is very odd. But, it, um, it is very odd. I, I think she. I disagree with a lot of her views, I think. Um she's uh, same with Bernie, I disagree with him. Um, but she's a much better communicator than um, Sanders. Um, and I think, and I don't want to, I don't want to boil it down to being a woman and being um, an ethnic minority. But I think after 2018, the midterms, we saw a lot of women candidates and um, we saw many people of colour come through. I think Bernie has a problem in the fact that he, he, I don't, and I don't want to go down this whole white old man thing but I do think that could harm him um, especially when there are so many other there's so many uh, female candidates I think four have announced up to now Gillibrand uh, Harris Warren Tulsi Gabbard and we have one on Sunday um, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota I believe um, all, all I'm saying so, is so that I just think I, I, just, I just think that um, even if you support Bernie's policies, there are so many other candidates that I think have some of Bernie's policies, like universal healthcare. Um, well, all of free, them. Yeah, but I'm just saying. So some people yeah. may think, why back? Why do we want to back Bernie? And um, but we can back these other diverse candidates. And I think that's something that he needs to watch out for. I think it doesn't actually affect Biden in the same way because Biden, if he does enter the race. Wants to, I think wants to try and appeal to moderates. Bernie doesn't. Bernie wants to try and appeal to the left of the party. I think. Do you, but others do as well. So. I, do you know how old AOC is going to be in twenty twenty four? Thirty six. Thirty five. Thirty five. Oh, do you nice. know what the constitutional age limit is? Thirty five. Thirty five. Bernie twenty twenty AOC twenty thirty four. Twenty twenty four. But no, but but <laughs> but seriously, I, th- I think. Fantastic. I think, and and one thing that Bernie, this whole Bernie bro sort of thing. Uh, that some people felt after 2016. Um, he, had, he had sexual harassment allegations in his campaign team. Um, a lot of um, top Bernie um, people, uh, campaigners, people that worked on his campaign, are now working on other people's campaigns, like Warren's campaign. Um, so I'm not, I'm just not sure. Well, Bernie of... Sanders almost raised as much money as Hillary Clinton in that. He was, a, he was a, yeah, basically I mean, an outsider. Nobody basically knew him. Hillary Clinton was the establishment candidate. She was there for a very long time. She was basically there to be coronated as, as the next Democratic candidate. And she was agonisingly close to almost losing. And now the system's been changed. 
The superdelegate system has been changed. Bernie Sanders, if he stood for the election, I think he had every chance of winning that Democratic nomination. And then the presidency. He's one of the best candidates to beat Donald Trump, as we've seen, according to a lot of polls. But Bernie Sanders, I think, would take in the right direction. And hopefully a young face like AOC, who is absolutely fantastic, is offering the right vision. I, I think she'd do a great job. I just want to say that... Um, too young. I don't like that. I think, I think 2016 is a long time... Like, a long time going the politics in America I think and I think he one he benefited from being the only candidate against Clinton not saying there wasn't a, a people supporting his ideas but you're going to have nearly like 15 candidates this time you, someone can win again a very low percentage of the vote so I mean like Biden can win by just cornering the moderate part of the Democratic Party someone can win by making sure they have black voters and um, say a uh, party establishment under the wing like Kamala Harris could do so I'm, I'm just saying that Bernie doesn't have a clear shot as he did in 2016 to trying to win but there's so many other people that want to go be in his lane but you, and, um, you say that about the moderate wing of the Democrats being you know having a good chance of winning I think the data most Democratic people want a candidate like Bernie Sanders, that's, that's a poll being done on that. Like, and also and, well, also Bernie Sanders as well, you know, as we've yeah, seen, he's doing very well in the polls. Yeah. His policies are extremely popular. So I think he's got every chance of doing it. We've just got to wait and see what happens yeah, no, with I, other I, candidates will adopt. Because even if they adopt that platform, Bernie's presence has already been shown and won yeah. in the first place. So that's good. And I think Bernie standing in 2016 has had a big impact on the Democratic Party I now. Agree. And fingers crossed it will just carry on going. Because I, I do have... Trump said that America will never be a socialist country. I don't agree. One day, I think America will be. It's a long way to get there, but you need to take the baby steps in the first place. I just think that after 2018, with with the blue wave and so many people of colour coming through and so many women coming through, um, Bernie as a old white man and... Um, why would you? Uh, there are questions on why you would back Bernie over someone that's more young, that's younger, uh, more diverse, presidential ticket. So um, we'll say he, he he had, I think he had he had problems with uh, black voters in twenty sixteen. So, but we'll we'll wait and see. He's still he's still a, he's still pulling very well. And you know the if there are twenty candidates, uh, he could come through. So we will wait and see. Fingers crossed. And now, bum bum bum. <laughs> It is question time from our audience. Not not the one hosted by Fiona Bruce, but our Twitter question time. Hashtag question time. <laughs> he did invent that hashtag on the spot. I've never, well, I've never heard that intro before. I've never heard that. <laughs> What's that? So a question from Liam Fallon is: <laughs> um, Dick Cheney do did. <laughs> Did Dick Cheney do anything wrong? Yes. Um. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we have different views on the Iraq War. Let's. <laughs> Did he do anything wrong though? Do you think when he shot that person? That oh yeah. <laughs> Club. We both. Uh, we both uh, recently seen Vice, and um, I, I I knew about the shooting thing, but it's so funny that that was included in the film where it. he shot someone. <laughs> It was included in it. I, can't, I didn't actually know the other person that had to apologise. No, I didn't know that. I knew he'd been shot, but I didn't know the other person had to apologise. Would, would recommend Vice. Uh, very good. It's film, a really good film. Um, I really like the kind of the uh, artistic uh, way they framed it. Like, the, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's really, it's not just like a normal drama film. It's just, 
It's Spo- funny in some places as well. Spo- spoilers, Dick Cheney is a very bad man. Um, next question, <laughs> uh, Callum Best. Uh, what? <laughs> so Donald Tusk said there would be a special place in hell for those who do who want no deal. So Salman, what would the special place in hell be like for you? I think on the account, I replied with uh, uh, a gif from The Good Place. I don't know if you've ever watched The Good Place. I oh, it's a brilliant. It's a brilliant. It's like philosophical, and it's um, it's about heaven and hell, and it's just great. But my my um, my. My hell would be recording this podcast non-stop for <laughs> <laughs> 24-7. That would be my hell. I think my hell would probably be Turning Points UK's headquarters. Oh, yeah. Which leads us on to our yeah. next question. Um, Matt, but it's 2017 now. Turning Point UK, an elite of melt with money or a legitimate movement? I was I was actually thinking of we, we leave this question because I don't want to give... I don't want to talk about Turning Point. I don't want to give them any room for, like... They've been You're no on, platforming them. Yeah, I'm no platforming them. They're, they're, they've been on the Daily Politics, on Five Live, on, on... Like, even John McDonnell mentioned them in the LBC call him the other day. Oh. Um, Turning Point U- uh, USA is a nasty, nasty, vile organisation. Oh, is, is there an USA... Is it a thing in the USA too? Or that, That's... I mean, I don't know if, you, I I don't don't know know if you've seen history. my tweets, but that's why I'm so angry. That's why John McDonnell called them out too. Um, Turning Point USA is a hard right organisation. I know that. Um, that that are vile, um, and they have views that don't. I mean, they they kiss Trump's arse all the time. They don't, and the, the policies that they Turning Point UK say want to try and appeal to young people, like being anti-abortion, which I think eleven percent of young people are horrible. Which. Um, Pro-Trump, which I think about 6% of the UK, UK young people are. Horrible. Um, anti-climate change. I mean... Horrible. How do these, these appeal to young people? What about anti-vax? Are they anti-vax? Um, they're not anti-vax, I don't think. But they, they, I mean, they did a weird protest in the US wearing nappies. Um, so I wonder if they could do the nappy protest. I think I think Turning Point in the UK had to like, officially deny they were not bringing the nappy protest to the UK. So but they have, they have horrid links with people like Paul Joseph Watson. Um, who works for a website that is like is nine uh, eleven uh, truthers seven seven truthers? I had no Blimey. idea about uh, horrible, basically. horrible, horrible uh, vile organization. I, I hope good. I hope they're shut down um, very soon because they're a vile organization. Shut down like Trump shut down the U.S. government. Um, and our vile question from Dawn Walker, a very close listener of our podcast. So thank you for listening, Dawn. Do you think that the Thank government is doing enough to support practical learners? Brackets, recent changes have meant that practical assignments have been uh, removed in favour of theory-based exam assessments. Now, I think the way we do exams and essays, um, I think I think the education system is not quite there, but I'm not sure just what the alternative is. I think exams cause a lot of stress and anxiety amongst students, and uh, whether they be secondary school age, primary school age, university age, I think it's very difficult. I mean, personally, essays are probably a bit better, but then it, it's very different. It'd be good to have a, a system where people are tracked perhaps throughout the year. And yeah, no, I agree. That. But it's just finding how the exact mechanism of that is. But it, it's very difficult. But I, I think Dawn is onto something. Just finding a solution to that is... Yeah. Uh, uh, another thing. Consensus. I, I agree. I think <clears throat> looking at how we can be tracked throughout the year rather than just 
one day where you can have like a bad day, for example. And by the way, we're not talking about the Snoopers Charter. I know Salmon's face is Is your camera covered up on your laptop, George? It certainly is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's about how, how do we deal with people uh, that do want to do things in a practical way, whether that be like coursework, um, which was phased out. But there are different practical routes, as in like apprenticeships as well. Apprenticeships and technical colleges, but I can't, I don't, I don't want to say I, I know enough about these to try and advocate for them. But I do think that, um, I think, I'm, I'm passionate about A-levels being, having a more holistic approach. I, don't, I think actually three A-levels is too few A-levels. Um, that's that's going to get me in trouble think, with them. Honestly, I think my experience of university showed me that actually A-levels are probably more stressful yeah, arguably yeah, yeah. more difficult than university because honestly the amount of workload going into A-levels is just so draining and the thing about university you have more time to read more time to do all these things but I, I suppose I was one of those people and I've heard from a lot of students that actually A-levels are a lot more yeah, no, can, yeah I agree can I ask what A-levels you, t- you took? It is English literature English language psychology and religious education slash philosophy and ethics but, but what I about mean, you? I did chemistry, biology, geography. I did psychology for a bit. But but I, I, I think why I think we should look, have a more holistic approach to education in the UK um, is that I don't know how often you use your English literature. I don't, well, I don't, want, I don't want to mind yeah. using it, but I don't... You, you study politics and now you study history. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't study chemistry. I don't study biology. I, and I think... I think... A level time boxes into something and into things often that we don't want to do in, in life. Yeah. And so we have to prove that we're good at chemistry and biology to do study politics. I, I think um, it's one of those things as well, something I wish I was taught earlier was that when you go to university uh, sorry, when you when you do your A levels, you shouldn't pick subjects which look best for you on your application yeah, yeah. to do things that you enjoy, yeah. otherwise you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to get the most out of it. When you go to university, you're doing something that you enjoy yeah. or something that you know you think you can contribute to. And I think studying politics for three years is fantastic. I'm loving my master's history, uh, uh, master's in history as well. But I, d- I didn't enjoy A-levels that much. I thought the stress was unbelievable and I think many students feel the same. Yeah, no, so, um, I, you know, I think A-levels do need to be reformed in order to, to do Total reform, I think, yeah. Do you think it should be one or two subjects rather than three or four? Well, I've, I've, I've gone from one subject, one or two subjects, to 90 different subjects. Because um, uh, in the US, they have high school where they, you, you look at different subjects and stuff. And you need to be good at all different subjects. But I, and I think that allows maybe you to remain open to different subjects. Um, but also, then, what's the point doing biology if you're never gonna, not going to study biology? But at the same time, I think one thing that I want would like to see reformed is university applications. Re- realistically, personal statements don't count for much right now, I don't think. Actual grades do. Mm. I, I reckon you can submit a really bad uh, personal statement and still get good offers. It does um, depend. It does depend. I, 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 th- I do think you're onto something there. But I think the thing is as well, I couldn't do history at... A level because I was already doing philosophy and ethics, therefore they yeah. couldn't yeah, 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 yeah. over there. And politics wasn't even an option at yeah. uh, my sixth form. Yeah, yeah, I did politics for three years. Already got a degree in that, and now I'm doing a masters. Yeah, in it. I so could. I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't do politics either. I um I wanted to pick um I can't remember. I wanted to pick history, I think, or some or something else. Hmm. Um, but I couldn't. So I had to pick psychology or physics, and I was terrible at physics. Hmm. 
Um, so but, I speak psychology, which I hated. I had no interest in psychology at all. Mm. It was the only thing I could pick. And yeah, it, it was really frustrating. Um, I, I did enjoy philosophy and ethics, but then it just no, I didn't I enjoy psychology. I dropped it, out. It just mis- means I couldn't do history. So yeah, I think A levels do need to be reformed, and actually, people should be able to do and, stuff and, that and, they and, enjoy. And, it. and university application. I'd like to see universities try and take more, trying to try and spot potential in people. Oh, well, I think um, Hull have done that. I think Hull have yeah, done. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like that whole. I always Hull took a chance on me because I did terrible at A level, but my my uh, sixth form head uh, sent in, in a letter of recommendation. Um, so um, um, here I am. Here we are, and there you are. Finally, our final segment of the show is nationalisation of the week. Because I want to nationalise something every week. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful? Salman, what is your nationalisation of the um, week? What? Yeah. My MacBook is uh, breaking right now, so I'm nationalised Apple. <laughs> yeah. Crap, is it? You know, if Apple was a workers' cooperative, yeah, each yeah. worker would have one hundred thirty-three, four hundred forty-three thousand dollars. And for me, I would personally go for Dirty Bird and Hull. Now, I, I need to explain what Dirty Bird is very quickly. It's a chicken shop at Hull, and the chicken there is so good, so phenomenal. And it's only just reopened yesterday, but there was a period of a couple of months where um, you know, we couldn't have it because it was closed down. It's just been reopened yesterday, and we need to ensure its security is insured. Nationalise Dirty Bird, keep that chicken Great good. chicken. Yeah. Great chicken, and I think it needs to be more affordable as well but and fingers crossed Dirty Bird under public ownership anyway we, we are um, running out of time we're being we, kicked uh, out yeah, we're so, like someone Bush. else has booked this room as well so, we're um, like Jeb Bush at the Rotary Club thanks for listening again um, I am in the process of moving uh, so the podcast uh, next week or the week after may be jolted around a little bit but uh, please do continue listening this has been Simon Anwar this has been George Aylert and um, thank you for listening to Breakfast means breakfast thanks bye I, and you're, you're not good at this, are you? I'm the cat with the bass and drum, going around like bum bum bum.